And we're back at the Bait and Switch Podcast Studios, burning the midnight oil, doing some introductions for our podcasts. Tonight's guest is the official photographer for the Milwaukee Brewers Major League Baseball team, Scott Paulus. Being a lifelong Brewer fan, it was really cool for me to hear all the stories and experiences Scott had behind the scenes with the team. As always, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast feeds. In addition, you can find us at baitandswitchpodcast.com, our new website. And of course, through our Facebook page, Bait and Switch Podcast. We appreciate all of our listeners, and if you like what you're hearing, please pass us along to your friends. Your podcast starts now. Hola, bienvenidos. This is Richard Wilson. With this podcast, there are no electives. Every program is a prerequisite. The semester is in session. It's season two of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome. We have a great show for you today here. This is the Bait and Switch podcast. I am, as always, Chris Beyer, and I am joined by my co-host, Jim Martin. Hello, everyone. In our quest to bring you, our audience, a high-grade, dare I say, high-octane podcast production, we continue to scour an ever-widening perimeter of our personal contact archives. Tonight, we are proud to bring you the official photographer for the Major League Baseball team, the Milwaukee Brewers. Last year, the Brewers were just one step away from reaching the October Classic, the World Series. I think we can all agree that a team photographer is just as important as a gold glove fielding, power hitting outfielder to achieve baseball's highest prize. Won't you join me in welcoming Scott Paulus? Yep. Welcome, Scott. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Thanks for inviting me. I'm pretty impressed that you put me up with a gold glove. Oh, yeah. Recipient. I, I do feel I'm more important, but... Sure, of course. Well, yeah, I, I, I wanted to give yeah. you your due. The gold yeah, glove does not happen without a photograph of the gold glove. To, to yeah, so that it thanks for coming in, yeah. No, I yeah. appreciate it. This is an honor. It should, it should be a lot of fun. Well, that's <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed. <laughs> Make it fun for me or I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, Scott, before we get into the baseball stuff, I did a little bit of research on you. Tell us a little bit about your background, you know, where you grew up, how you got into photography, all that kind of thing. And, uh, and then I'll let you know if you're right. <laughs> Tell, and I can't remember a lot of it. I'm pretty old. Um, so I grew up in Wisconsin. Uh, I spent part of my time in Waukesha, okay. going to Waukesha North, North Stars. There's a shout out for you. Uh, as soon as I, about 10 days after high school, I took off, went and joined the military and traveled the world for six years. And that worked out really well for me. That was fun. Then uh, when it was time to get out and get into college, I decided to come back here. Okay. Which branch were you in? I think it's pretty obvious. Take a guess. I'm going to say the Army. Oh, God. No, no you're a Marine. There. Marines. You're a yes. Marine. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. you're our second Marine. The last person we interviewed, her name was Marine. M-A-U-R-E-E-N. Yeah. Semper Fi. <laughs> I wonder if we know each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in for six years. Six years. Marines, yeah. boy, I tell you, I, um, that's hardcore. Well, yeah. it, it, it was rough, but it was fun. So you Okay, so you're in the Marines. Uh, what uh, what kind of time frame were we looking at? Uh, that was 
1986, so 86 to 92. Oh, 86. Uh, okay, so you got out just around the Gulf War. So I went to the Gulf War. So okay, I was in the Gulf War, and okay. I got out right after. Okay. So Gulf War One. Gulf War right, One, right, first right. Gulf War. Mm-hmm. Yep, right. Desert yep. Storm. So okay. now the Gulf, the Gulf War, the first Gulf War for people who might not remember, which was 25 years ago or so, lasted all of... A couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I I got there. I was one of the first units in, which was like in August, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, the the conflict didn't start until like January. January, yep. and uh, by April we were on our way home. Yeah, so it was very short. Yeah, kind of ran up the score. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah we did. Mercy rule was there. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah I think. Yeah. I think it was just a mercy rule, and everybody decided, okay, they've uncle, they've had yeah, enough. They've had enough. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. It, it was actually it was very interesting because. For five years of my career, it was always just practice, sure. and mm-hmm. then this was finally the time to do it. Yeah. And the most interesting part I found about that is how durable 500 or 1,000-pound or cluster bombs are. You can drop them, roll them, push them, punch them, and they will not explode. It explode it's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I'm very lucky. <laughs> when I think back to it, thank God I was in my early 20s because I still have all my fingers, and I wasn't surprised. So you were uh, so you're working on jets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I worked on F-16s. I was. Uh, oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, I was like communication navigation guy. But oh, uh, yeah. those are, those are beautiful planes. A lot of, yeah. I, I'm a, a complete um, uh, geek when it comes to airplanes. So okay. even if you look at my website, you look at all my Instagram account, you you'll find the, the EAA. Oh yeah. Uh huh. And you'll go to the Air Force has a lot of fun toys to play with. They really do. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think I think your picture looks like is that you in a cockpit. It looks like there's a like the overhead view of somebody in a cockpit is what it looked like. Um, well, there's a couple of shots. I think there's one of them where I went up in a stunt plane, and the pilot just the only thing he briefed me on is that okay, I've been I've done this before. When I tell you to, I'm going to go straight up in the air. Just throw the camera behind your head. I'll tell you if you're straight and you're looking right at me, and then you just snap away. Did you did you uh, did you puke? No, no, no? I'm, okay. I'm very proud. I'll say yeah. this: about half of our guests puke before the end of the night. So, <laughs> so be prepared. Be yeah. prepared. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have noticed that I'm starting to get nauseous. Yeah, well, so it's, that's, uh, it's, it's take a couple of deep it's breaths. Starting you know? again. <laughs> Let me ask you this: I remember back in 1991 when the Gulf War happened, there was a whole group of people in the military that signed up for the. No oh. need to go to college, mm-hmm. and there had been this long period of peacetime. Yeah. And all of a sudden, these yeah. people that never thought they were going to go to war <laughs> right. ended up going to war. And you hear stories about people like, "Hey, I didn't sign up for this." Right? Yeah. Did you know people at that time that were freaking out and you know tried to get out of it? In in my squadron, we never had any conscientious objectors, but I did notice in the Navy that there were a number of them that were that were popping up trying to find that way out. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, like you said, since the Vietnam War, it was real prosperous. The military, no matter what branch, and I think you know this, everybody was trying to fill their quotas. So they're trying to get people to join the the military because after Vietnam, it was incredibly unpopular. In fact, when I joined in 1986, it was almost dangerous to go out in town in your uniform. That's how unpopular the military was. We got you through the, the military here. You, you got out and you went into an artistic endeavor. What was that? I did. So I s- decided that I wanted to go to college so I could get the GI Bill. Let's use it. Let's do it. I, I did, because of age, not have to take an ACT or any sort of test to oh, get in. Oh, that's cool. So nice. But, uh, I did pretty well. Uh, and I transferred from UW Waukesha over to Myad. 
Milwaukee okay. Institute of Art and Design uh-huh. uh, because I just really wanted an art degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's 93, I think I started there. Oh, okay. So then you uh, specialized in photography at that point? Well, I started out as an illustrator. I really, and, and to this day, I still really like uh, that part of the arts, painting, drawing, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, I found out that I have ADD. I just can't sit at a table all day long. I found photography and just picked up a camera and said, well, this could be this could be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. My ad, thankfully, is a very small school, so I had a very small class and got some good good instructors over there that really helped me out. And uh, one in particular, I should say, really pointed me in the direction of sports. Right. So right. he took me down to uh, the UCC down on the south side. There's a Hispanic Community Center a school down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had a boxing program down there for the kids. And this guy named Shorty runs the boxing program. As a matter of fact, he's pretty famous because he qualified for the Olympics in the 70s mm-hmm. okay. and was going to go box in Russia where the Olympics were being held in the 70s, but then Carter canceled it, so he never went. But he started just teaching kids off the streets and brought them into a boxing program. What's, what I think is really interesting is this is the second week in a row now that we have talked about the 1980 boycott of the Summer Olympics. Really? Yeah. Our last guest, Tom Schuler, was a cyclist, and he yeah. qualified for the Olympics, but the, he didn't go because of the same oh. reason. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Was a, that was a big tragedy. That was, that was too bad. But, wow, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's an interesting coincidence. You yeah. don't find many people around that were from the Olympics in that era. Right, yeah. right. And then two weeks in a row. I mean, what are the odds, <laughs> yeah. you know? I know. We didn't put you up to that. He's not a Marine, or his name is not Marine, right? No, uh, no, no. neither one. Neither yeah. one. Okay. No, no. <laughs> um, so you started specializing in sports photography. Right. Well, I was fortunate, especially because I was older, I sort of had more drive to Oh yeah, and desire to find a direction to go in. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, uh, Shorty hooked me up. I would fo- photograph boxers, and I'm like, "This is exciting." I wanted something exciting, something with little oomph to it. Sure. So, I got that, and then uh, I started looking for assisting jobs. Mm-hmm. I found one guy that did heavy uh, work with Harley Davidson. We do all these interesting, cool shoots. So that got me going, and then uh, at one point. There came on the same bulletin board an internship for the Milwaukee Brewers in '96. Okay, and that was the year I was graduating. Right. So um, I just applied for it, and I walked in there, not having really any sports. I had a little bit of boxing sure. as a portfolio. The photographer at the time, Joe Picciolo, he was the team photographer at the time, said, "Well, I, that's what I want. I, I, I see too many people in here with weak sports stuff. Why don't you just come in and do it?" So at that point, that's when I got into baseball, and I was just lucky enough to stick with it. Oh, cool. So then you kind of interned under him for a while and eventually took over that gig? Well, it was a little bit longer from there because um, there was just a one-year internship. Mm -hmm. So, But from there, um, the best thing you can do, and which a lot of people don't do nowadays, is assist intern for people even if you got to work for free you learn so much and you need to learn a lot so i Mm -hmm. started assisting for sports illustrated photographers and at that time sports illustrated was a much bigger deal yep and (laughs) i've made some mistakes and made some really good experiences off Mm -hmm. of that i've met some really famous athletes things like that And, and that was i would say almost more educational and it helped me become a better photographer 
So now was that not in town then? Was that like around for Sports Illustrated where you're going all around the nation then? Uh, I wouldn't say too far around the nation, but I would okay. travel for them. Okay. Um, there was uh, two photographers in particular that I really gelled with, uh, Ron Madra, who's a legend in the business, and uh, John Beaver. And John Beaver comes from the Beaver family. His dad, Vern Beaver, was the Packers' original, if you could call him, team photographer. Okay. He did the ice bowl. Oh, uh, oh really? And okay. then his sons, Jim Beaver, stayed as the Packers' photographer for a long time. Hmm. But John went on to work for Sports Illustrated for many decades. Hmm. And I was working with him. Okay. And it nice. just works out like John loved basketball, Ron Madra loved baseball and, and golf. Uh, so I would get experience yeah. trying to photograph as much as I could. Yeah, all different kinds of stuff. That's great. Does every team have a team photographer? Yes. Okay. And now obviously the newspaper photographers are there and the, the TV people are there as well. All their work goes to their media. Where does your work end up? I'm the marketing department, basically. So everything okay. that I shoot is what they use for promotional stuff. So every all the posters, all the billboards, everything you see around the stadium, uh -huh. that's what I shoot. Oh, nice. The stuff that they use, like it could go in the newspaper, but it's mostly the ads, the advertisements. Okay. Not the reporting of the game. Okay. Things mm -hmm. like that. Gotcha. So do you do the pictures on Star Wars night? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, in, because I grew up in 77, that was my yeah, year. I, right. I, I, Star Wars is still my thing. So I, I, I even went as far out to get a, a Stormtrooper helmet, and uh -huh. I have that every year for Star, Star Wars night, and there's always a player that wants to wear it. Oh, he yeah. wants to have it on. I've even sure. gotten one guy to have it under his arm for the anthem. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do video too then, or just uh, still? I do some video interviews. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but my passion is really the stills. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say that the one thing that really takes my time is the editing. And that's oh, yeah. not my favorite thing to do. Yeah. I'd rather look over someone's shoulder and point them how to do it. Sure. Because editing is an art in itself and it's so technical. Yeah. It's got to be pretty tedious. Thank you. Too. Thank right. you for yeah. that. Yeah. Chris is our editor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm unsung. Yeah. So keep singing. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and, and this is the, and this will point out because I have two really good stories in sports and the one was with john beaver who's the basketball photographer and so when i was trying to work they would ask me well can you do this can you do that and while you're young you're like yeah i can do it yeah, and then you it. go yeah. find a book on it and right. then figure out how to do it <laughs> but at that time um to shoot a basketball game involved hundreds of yards of cable and then at that time this was a brand new stadium in ohio i think it was ohio state it uh, it didn't have what we use, which are strobes. So if you go to games, during a game, you'll see a pop, pop, pop. Uh -huh. Those are called strobes. Those are lights. So if you're shooting basketball, that's how we get a really clean, good photo. Okay. It's basically the flash on your camera, but they have four of them up in the catwalks firing at the same time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It, it's for you guys. F I mean, just for they, us. Yeah, for right. the still for photographers. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. So John says, hey, we need to shoot this game, go down there and do that. And I'm like, well, okay. So they flew me down and I was supposed to pick up all the equipment because they didn't, normally most stadiums will have the lights there. So we just connect our cords and we can play. Sure. But this one, I didn't. So I get down there. At that time, I'm about 29. I'm like, okay, I'm still spry. This should be, shouldn't be a problem. Sure. Well, there's an elevator that goes up to the press box. Then from there, you got to take the stairs up to the catwalk. So I'm lugging four of these packs that weigh 
easily 50 pounds a piece. Right. Then all the extension cords, all the lights, all the cables. Yeah, yeah I'm sweating. I'm, I did not sign up to be a photographer to be a mule. Right. So I get everything up on the catwalks, everything set up. I'm sweating to death, but I'm cramping up like crazy. I can't get enough water in me. So I'm looking, and part of my job is to make sure it's working. Halfway through the game, I look up. One of the strobes isn't firing. I'm like, John, one of the strobes isn't firing. I'm going to go take a look at it. So I go up there, take the elevator up to the press box. Press box stairs up to the catwalk. I get up there, and I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, there it is. So this brand-new stadium, they only had two outlets on the entire catwalk. So I'm running... Huge watt seconds of all these packs off of two outlets. And I knew one was going to blow. At least I knew that. So I'm like, okay, great. So I take an extension cord, run it into the press box, unplug a coffee maker, and then I plug in this this strobe. I come back out, and I'm like, okay, it's working. And at that time, I kind of noticed, wow, the arena is really quiet, and this is halftime. This is where they do their goofy stuff, all the stuff's on a jumbotron. Everybody's Mm -hmm. going crazy. (laughs) And I'm walking out, and I see this guy in front of me. And he's holding the rails like for life. Yeah. And he's just sweating like crazy. He looks at me and he says, are you the effer that just blew my jumbotron? And I looked over the catwalk <laughs> and the jumbotron was completely black. And at that time, the crowd just erupted and they were chaos. It was going crazy. <laughs> and I looked over at him. And at that point, I didn't care. I just looked over at him and said, ha! which he did not want to hear that. And as I'm walking by him, he goes, I'm going to have your FF and job. And I said, you can have this FF and job any FF and time you want it. He sort of looked at me, didn't know what to say. I walked back and John never hired me again. At least not to light anything. Right, right. As far as your um, job involving the Brewers, are you there for all the games? Yeah, just about all the games now. Okay. Um, in, in in the beginning, it wasn't really a necessity, but mm-hmm. now, uh, especially because of social media, oh, we sure. like to have start to finish coverage of the games. Okay. And I have an assistant, a great assistant, Kirsten Schmidt, and she helps me out, so we have a lot of coverage of the games. You so, make her lug the strobes. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I don't put her through that. <laughs> so a lot of your pictures end up on social media. Uh, yes, I have different departments. I have to supply stuff for and one of the most important things i have to supply is stock so unlike the wire services or the newspapers who just have to report the game it's very important me to get a stock photos of every player and every angle i can think of so now what happens let's say we make a trade for a new guy Mm -hmm. right he doesn't have any pictures in his uniform yet are you, is that something you do with the Photoshop? Do you put the uniforms on the guys? No, I hate hearing Photoshop. That, or, I hate hearing. Or, or is that, is I that, won't do it. Kirsten do that? Or <laughs> you got another, another techie who does something like that then? So when you're looking at the Jumbotron, if mm-hmm. there's somebody new that comes on and it's very obvious, like the well-educated fan will know that, well, he we picked him up, which this year has worked for just about everybody we picked up. They started their games on the road, even if they came oh, up from sure. the minors. Uh-huh. But if we picked them up from another team, obviously – even on the away games, the away teams want their photo on their Jumbotron. Mm-hmm. So we have a pretty savvy group of marketing people that will get that brewer's hat on them. Okay. And yeah. it will be convincing. Do you go on the road? Uh, spring training and postseason. Okay. During the season, I will, if there's something important mm-hmm. for it. But out of 81 home games, it's pretty easy to capture what I need. And last year, you got to go to the playoffs. 
Last year was really unique, and that was really great. We had three killer celebrations. It's very unique because the only time I've seen celebrations was 2008, uh, 11, and um, last year. Mm-hmm. And 8 and 11 was just one celebration, in and out, we're done. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, our celebrations were all on the road, but they That's were actually right. pretty yeah. hilarious, and we had three of them. So it's really nice for us because we've got some great stock – something great for history sure and it happened three times so if you couldn't get it right the first time it's very rare <laughs> you get three shots of this yeah exactly yeah was euchre in the locker room each time oh, for God. each one yeah, i think yeah. he was right my other good story is with euchre euchre yeah. was uh, and i told euchre i would tell this story but he's awesome because wait a minute you told him you're gonna be on this podcast no 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 oh, i didn't I tell him that saying, like wait a minute i told him i'd tell this story yeah. whoa wait a second okay well Euchre is great. If you ever sit down and have an audience with Euchre, and especially in spring training, in the me- visiting team's media lunchroom, mm-hmm. before when we get something to eat, he'll just sit down, he'll have an audience, and he'll talk stories. Oh, yeah. And a- after 19 years of doing this, it's never been the same story twice. He always has a new story. So, sure. my God, they're hilarious. Oh, the yeah. guy's just an incredible entertainer. Yep. Uh, but he has, you know, since, you know, how long? 50s, great stories. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, our first celebration, which was in St. Louis, okay. was incredible. So um, I didn't need to fly down there or be at St. Louis because we were waiting to find out what the magic number was. Because once we got down to one, this game, we win, there's a celebration. Right. So uh, my boss, Tyler Barnes, was like, okay, well, let's just wait. So he said, okay, we're at one. Um, pack your bags, fly down there, and just fly back with the team, which -hmm. is what I would normally do, which was great because it was already a long road trip to get to St. Louis, so they had been playing somewhere else. So I'm like, okay, okay. that's good. So I I packed all my camera gear, everything I needed, um, uh, just a small bag because, again, I wasn't even going to be staying overnight. It was We were, as soon as the game was over, that bus goes to the airport and we fly back to Milwaukee. So I had everything packed, got down to St. Louis, and it was great because it was a fast game, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, we won the game, and the celebrations were going. Everybody, the first celebration is the best. Everybody's yeah. going nuts. The beer is flying. And if you know what, the only thing I'll say, champagne is caustic. Oh, my God. Right. That's oh, yeah. nasty material. Yeah. So when it's, you see the guys wearing the goggles, goggles yeah. I don't care if, if you're old school baseball, you'd be wearing goggles too. Right. You get right. a spray of that champagne in your eyes, and it's nasty. Yeah. You can't even get it out of clothes. It just buries your clothes. Uh-huh. So everybody's going nuts. Chase Anderson, he comes up to me and I'm, I'm photographing something. He pulls up the back of my pants and just starts dumping beer down my pants. <laughs> RC is dumping beer over my head. I mean, everybody's just celebrating. It's going nuts. Yeah. And the Euchre comes in and you see that shot of Euchre. He's, a bunch of guys are pouring beer down him and he's doing the fist pumps and oh, yeah. he's having a good time. And right at that time, I realized I didn't pack a change of pants. I had everything else Uh-oh. except a pair of pants. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to get on the flight in like covered in oh in this crusty, beer, yeah. nasty yeah, champagne beer coated pants. Yeah. I just had beer poured down oh, my pants, and it I can't stinks. Get on the yeah. It stinks, <laughs> sure. and it's nasty and just crunchy. It's just terrible. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I go into coach's locker room, I shower, I clean up, but I'm like I got nothing on. So I go over to every clubhouse has their own laundry facility, oh, and okay. we they have the visiting clubhouse has their own clubbies. So I went over to the guys and I looked over and said, hey, that's a dryer, right? Can you just throw my pants in there? 
Yeah. And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. So I'm trying to edit photos <laughs> to get out to social media and get out to people who need them immediately. Yeah. So I'm sitting in the laundry room by myself in my underwear and a T-shirt just editing photos away. <laughs> and I'm freaking out because at this point, it's 45 minutes until the bus leaves. And the oh, bus yeah. is not going to wait for me. Scott's not here. Hold on. <laughs> exactly. I'm taking an Uber back. Right, right. But then Euchre comes walking in and he sees me sitting there and he goes, hey, Scotty. Is that a dryer? And I go, yep. Boom. Pulls his pants off, his shirt off, throws it in the dryer. <laughs> and so then Euchre and I are sitting in the laundry room in our underwear. I'm editing. He's telling me all these stories and just cracking me up. Yeah. And every once in a while, I'll have somebody peek in the laundry room and go, hey, but never mind. I'll, yeah. I'll ask you later. <laughs> right. I'm like, no, guys, Sorry. come back. This isn't what you right. think. It's sure. a special moment. Right. Yeah, you fellas are sitting in your underwear having a moment. Right. Yeah. I'll and Euchre looks over. He looks over at me and goes, Scotty. The bus leaves in 15 minutes. What happens? I'm like, Bob, as long as you're here, that bus isn't going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. Me, it's right. gone. You, yeah. you're my safety net. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So so we made the bus after that one. Oh, that's cool. All right, well, that's cool. Well, we're going to wrap up the first half of the interview here. We're going to take a little bit of a break. And as I've said before, uh, on the web, you people can... You people. On, uh, <laughs> on the web, you, you can listen next week uh, to the second half of this, or you can go back and listen to the rest of our old interviews. So let's wrap up the first half, take a little break, and we will do the second half here shortly. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast for the conclusion of our interview with Milwaukee Brewers official team photographer, Scott Polis, when he discusses the joys of working with your significant other. Would you ever date or marry somebody that works with you? You not only get to come home with them, but you get to work with them all day. That would be tough. And I like people. <laughs> I like people who don't talk about work when mm -hmm. you're outside of work. But yeah. what are you going to do yeah. when you're working with somebody and then you come home after work? Right. I'm the one that did that to you. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I was there. I was there. Yeah. I'm right. the ass you're talking about. Right. <laughs> You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.